Blog Talk Radio. Radio.com. It's Thursday, September 26, 2013. I'm your host, Michael Gordon. Welcome to the program. We're excited to bring you the topic today. We'd like to talk about happiness. So we'll get right into that in just a moment. And if you're listening to the program for the first time, I'd like to welcome you. And you can find out more information about us on the homepage here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash the mind whisperer. We have a Facebook page surprisingly called The Mind Whisperer, facebook.com forward slash The Mind Whisperer, and uh, you can find our Twitter li- links and etc. etc. There is a donate button on the Facebook page. Uh, we do appreciate any donations you want to give us to uh, keep the program going. This is all done, um, you know, as a, essentially a volunteer effort at this point, so it's not a for-profit program, and we'd like to keep it that way. Um, I'm starting to sound like NPR, but... Uh, uh, we you know we do have to make a pitch to uh, to people to keep the program content for free. And that said, you can also find us on iTunes as a free download, and all of our back programs are available. I'm not even sure what the total count is at this point, but we're approaching our one year anniversary, so I would assume we're somewhere around 100 shows or more. And um, let's get straight to the topic today. Uh, which is the secret to happiness. The secret key to happiness is how I titled the program. And I was watching a clip this morning. Um, it was a sort of a staged um, presentation uh, talking about this very topic uh, with participants who were volunteering to do a little experiment uh, where they uh, were supposed to write something down and then... Um, take action on it. I'll describe that in just a moment. Um, But the principle being that um, one of the things that can instantly connect us to happiness, true happiness, is gratitude. And this is the foundation of this video I was watching this morning. Now, before I describe that experiment and explain what the results speak to, I very quickly want to do a breakdown of what we we mean when we talk, talk about happiness. Now, when I speak about happiness, I think about um, the description from the Buddhist psychology point of view, which is happiness is a sense of caretaking of yourself, that you are develop what's called a uh, metta or a loving kindness, but really what it means is a, a, an unconditional friendliness towards yourself. In other words, it's, a, it's the compassion that we think of when we think of unconditional love. And it's the, it's the unconditional acceptance, no matter what is going on. So conditional would be, I'm happy when, or I'm happy if. And so therefore, if I don't have enough money, if I don't have 
the right partner, if my job is not satisfying, if I woke up in a bad mood, we're not happy. And that gives us a, a very um, a sense of, well, conditionality to um, our well-being on a day-to-day basis. And of course, the biggest problem is not the external factors. It is the frequency um, and just of the disturbance of our own thoughts that arise in in our mind on a moment-to-moment basis. And the disruptiveness of that, or what's called the discursiveness of our own mind, that chatter, that monkey chatter in your head, that's what really drives most of us bananas. And uh, no pun intended with the monkey metaphor. So unhappiness, we could say, is the discomfort with that general state of being. On top of that, again, from the Buddhist perspective, uh, the Four Noble Truths, as they were called, that the Buddha taught, the first principle of those truths is that all beings suffer. And we all suffer because we experience um, the inescapable fact that life will end and life is a struggle. And so that creates suffering because we don't want that to happen. And as uh, sentient beings, we all experience that uh, sense of uh, danger and loss and anxiety that goes with knowing that we will get sick or our loved ones will get sick or die. Okay, so all that said, that's a general state of happiness, and I've, and I've spoken to that topic in a previous program and, and echoed a lot of the thoughts that, um, from Matthew Ricard, who is a uh, very well-known uh, French national who's now a, a Buddhist and the French interpreter to the Dalai Lama. The other uh, approach to happiness I want to bring in is from another influential person um, in the discourse on the meaning of happiness, and that is Martin Seligman. Martin Seligman is the purveyor of what is called positive psychology. This is somebody who was a traditional psychologist and along with Abram Maslow and other humanist psychologists started to look at the shortcomings of traditional uh, academic psychology in that, um, in what Seligman said was basically half-baked about psychology. It was half the pie was baked in the sense that, that the baked part was about mental um, ill health. And so nobody really studied positive well-being. And, and so Seligman sought out to do that. And one of the things he did is looked at Aristotelian principles of um, happiness, and um, so to break it down very simply, the happy life has three modalities, according to Seligman. And the first one being what we see in our popular culture, and that is the uh, chasing of um, pleasure, pleasurable experiences. And so this is, in Buddhism, what is called grasping, grasping for desire, averting pain and grasping for desire. Uh, so the second aspect of, so what does that look like before I move on? Um, the pleasurable life would be in having as many friends. Uh, it's kind of a materialistic point of, of life, collecting friends, collecting things, uh, making money, um, going on vacation, having nice clothes, um, you know, having a nice place to live, having some toys. It's essentially your life is a reflection of what you have going on and um, how much pleasure you get before you die. So the second mode of happiness 
is what Seligman describes as the engaged life. And that means that we are embracing our strengths and our virtues. So we are engaged in, in a work that makes us feel um, a sense of accomplishment and engagement, and we coach our kids' soccer teams. And um, so there's a certain fulfillment there that we are living a, a full life, that we are active in life and using our strengths. And so there's a positive emotion that goes with that. But the highest stage of happiness that Seligman describes, uh, and this again goes back to the Greek philosophical tradition, is the life that is based on uh, higher purpose and meaning. And so when you are, and I would call that service, really is the highest order of that, that when we are in the process of really fulfilling who we are through doing good works, through uh, having a higher purpose in life, and that could just be motherhood, not just, but that could be motherhood or parenthood, which is a very um, obviously extremely important and undervalued, uh, not a profession, uh, but a uh, responsibility and um, role in, in life, to bring life into the world and to nurture and make human beings in a better society, hopefully. And so, um, where does that bring us back to this experiment that I referenced in the beginning of the program? So, in this video, again, presumably staged uh, to promote the company that put the video on, but also to promote the um, scientific research behind it, about uh, ingredients of happiness. <clears throat> and the subjects are sitting down and they're asked to recall somebody who um, was found, you know, very influential in their life and how they became who they are or, you know, positive influence in their life. So people pick their sister, their mother, their high school teacher. And they're asked to write, you know, a letter to that person or write something about that person. And then the interviewer took it a step further and said, okay, now, if you're up for it, we're going to get you to call that person and read the letter to them. And that's where this video gets very moving because it takes the individuals a step further um, in putting their money where their mouth is, and so to speak, um, to make the connection with the other person. So it's very moving and people get choked up. And... I thought I would pick that topic today because as I thought about it afterwards, and it is, you know, it is a very moving piece. First of all, the research in the video shows that there was an incremental increase in people acknowledging that person and then indeed reaching out and calling them somewhere about 4 or 5% from when they started the study to after they made the phone call. But the person who was the most unhappy coming into the study, into the, into the experiment, um, had almost a 15% or more jump in points uh, of happiness between their lowest point coming in and having made the phone call. So what does that show us? Well, I, I interpret the results this way. First, when we acknowledge somebody who's helped us, and, and gratitude here, before I forget, it's important to acknowledge that this isn't about I'm happy that... Uh, I'm alive. I'm happy that I have food in my belly. I mean, that's just basic. If we look at uh, Abraham Maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs, that's just showing gratitude for the basics of life, um, the, the A needs, so to speak. 
food, shelter, clothing, security. Uh, but the higher needs, the B needs, are the ones that are, um, you know, fulfilling your higher self, your relationships, your um, your sense of purpose in the world, etc. So gratitude here, and I think what really spikes the jump in experienced happiness in that in that experiment and in other studies, is that when you reach out to another person who's been influential, you're acknowledging and actualizing a, a connection with somebody that recognizes your value. And if you go back to something that I've uh, uh, brought attention to in previous topics of this show, again and again, it comes back to the underlying problem for almost all of us with any psychological uh, disturbance is shame. Most of our issues are shame-based. And if you go deeper than that, it really comes down to the fundamental right. Do I have the right to exist? Do I have, is, is, there, is it okay that I'm in the world? And we internalize some kind of disturbance growing up that says, no, it's not. And that's what leads to addiction and self-harm behavior. So when we acknowledge somebody who's been a mentor or influential for us, we are acknowledging that we have value in the world. And that is restorative and... and um, um, has a, a, a repairing effect, a self-repair effect, instantaneously, because we may not have access to our own self-worth, but by thinking of and especially reaching out to and connecting to the other person, we allow our value to be reminded, you know, to be to be brought to our attention through the other person. The second piece to that, and there'll be three pieces to this. The second piece to that is um, the vulnerability of that moment. So in that, in that moment of reaching out, you have to become vulnerable. You have to step beyond your own internal narrative of shame and negative self-talk and connect with the other person. You have to reach across the barrier of, of um, being self-conscious or just having low self-worth or self-esteem and make the connection. And that requires us to be vulnerable. And so that has a very transformative effect in the moment. It changes our state from uh, into softness. And there's another uh, viral video that was going around of the comedian Louis C.K. on uh, the Conan O'Brien show talking about um, you know his kids. He's never going to give his kids cell phones or he hates cell phones or smartphones because... Um, people are avoiding just feeling sad. It's sad being alive. It's difficult. And uh, But when you experience and allow that sadness, then your body automatically floods itself with endorphins to, to make up the, the shortfall of mood. And suddenly you feel enormous joy that you because you've experienced the sadness. So the vulnerability piece is huge. The third and final piece to this uh, these studies and this video experiment or demonstration, I say, it's not really an experiment, it's a demonstration of, of a principle, is empathy. And that's a piece of the vulnerability part. And what do I mean by empathy? I mean, going back to the full circle to the first principle, which was that um, the acknowledgement of the other person and the um, connection to your own value. When you, uh, when you acknowledge that relationship, you are giving 
beyond yourself. You're giving the opportunity. You're giving your gratitude. You're acknowledging the other person's value in valuing you. Now, why is that so important? Because you are engaging empathy. You are suddenly experiencing the joy that someone else feels to be acknowledged in, in, in having a positive role in your own life. And when we are in the mode, uh, neuroanatomically speaking, which means your brain function, mind, brain, mood, uh, when we are in the mode of giving and considering other people and being empathetic, it's the left prefrontal cortex, the left part of your, of your frontal lobe of your brain, which is the higher functioning of your brain, that gets activated. And that area is also associated with calmness and focus and attention. And that goes with uh, a stable mood and a sense of neutrality and well-being. And coincidentally, that's the part of the brain that lights up in brain scans when people are in meditation. So once again, acknowledging the role of somebody else as an exercise, as a way of, of connecting to gratitude, has three impacts. One, it puts us in vulnerability. Two, it instantaneously connects us in a second-hand way to our own self-worth because we're, we're via somebody else recognizing that we're worth caring about. And someone had a, somebody, despite our own worst negative thoughts, cares about us and had a big role in, in shaping us and that we actually are a happy person. And thirdly, that we, by allowing that to happen, by, by reaching out to the other person and caring about showing them care and valuing them, um, it makes us feel better, which is, leads us back to Seligman's higher stage of higher purpose and, and a higher form of happiness, which is to give, to give to others, to make others happy, to ease other suffering, leads us to our greatest happiness. Well, I hope you've enjoyed today's show. I certainly have. I hope this key to happiness today opens a lock for you that's been shut and you find some small way to give yourself and bring happiness to somebody else. And by doing so, making yourself a little bit brighter today. My name is Michael Gordon. I'm your host here on the Mind Whisperer. Please visit us, visit us on uh, Facebook. Drop us a line, suggest a, a, a guest for the show or a topic, or just uh, some comments on the on the program. Love your feedback. Find us on Twitter. Follow us. Until next time. Be well. <laughs>